In a world teeming with noise and distraction, how do we connect and awaken the connection between our hearts and minds? How can we better our relationships in line with the prophetic virtue to not only understand what is being said, but also what lies beneath the surface? Joining us today is Sheikh Mikael Ahmed Smith, all the way from Dallas, Texas and Qalam Institute, a notable speaker and author of With the Heart in Mind and now When Hearing Becomes Listening. It was a very beneficial discussion and a very deep one too. So lend us your ears and enjoy the podcast. This podcast is now streaming on all your favorite platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh Mikhail. It's an absolute honor to have you on again. I think, Kamal, correct me if I'm wrong, you are our first international guest that we've had a recurring time. So online. thank you so much for joining us. How is everything in DTX? Alhamdulillah, it's doing well, doing well. Alhamdulillah, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, it's It's been a long time. It has. Uh, it looks like you guys... It looks like you guys don't age at all, you know, <laughs> uh, even though it's been three or four years since our last time together. But uh, Alhamdulillah, it's good to be with you guys again. It's amazing. The, Alhamdulillah, Allah's blessings. The trick uh, is to to read the book, inshallah. Read the book and gain that, I guess, mental resilience, moral intelligence, tabarakallah. And emotional intelligence. Mm. Emotional intelligence, the moral intelligence. But now we're moving on to a new book uh, that yeah. you've presented. When Hearing Becomes Listening, mashallah. We both had the honor of reading. When hearing becomes listening, the art of mm. prophetic listening. Sheikh, I have to say, if you don't mind me saying, you've really outdone yourself with this book. I've had a lot of people asking yeah. me for book recommendations. And to anyone that's listening at home, this book should be on your top 10 list. Like this is a must read for anyone of any background, of any faith, in mm. any sort of relationship. I really couldn't um, recommend this book enough. And not to toot my own horn here, but... I have to say, Sheikh, there were some parts in the book where, subhanAllah, I would just, I just started to cry because it's really like yep, a, yeah. a reflective piece and it can really help mm. you understand the things that perhaps that we still haven't polished in that mirror of ours yet. But subhanAllah, I think the first question I would ask to you, Sheikh, is what is the importance of hearing and what was the impetus behind writing this book of yours? Yeah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. So um, the first book, as you guys know, was about how the Prophet Sallallahu had this a supreme intelligence, right? And how emotional intelligence is like that key which unlocks the hearts of other people, right? And a lot of times I was going around the country and I was doing this workshop and talking to people and a lot of people needed to know more like how how do i become more emotionally intelligent and um i i hinted to it in the first book there's a very short section called prophetic listening in the first book and it's only like a page and a half long mm -hmm. and the more i studied it and the more i looked at his life sallallahu i realized that he had this amazing capacity to listen and and when I started to look at him from the perspective of a listener, I just saw verses and and and, and hadith just jumping out at me. Um, there's one verse, like where the mushrikeen called him literally an ear. Ear, right? Yes. And I'm like, subhanAllah, because they would say, whatever you say, he'll he'll take it in. Now, you know, there's a whole conversation there, but so many verses um 
uh, Don't be like those who say we heard, but they're not really listening. And I have the honor of teaching on a daily basis, uh, Tafsir at Qalam Institute. And um, Imam Suyuti, under these verses, whenever La Yasma'un comes, they don't listen. He says, Sima'u Qubul, a listening of acceptance. And so as you read, a lot of us, like, we reject the meanings that people are communicating to us. Um, and there's a deep conversation. We have to talk about it, but we push away. We don't sima'u qubud. We don't listen to accept. We don't listen to to hear the other person's perspective. But rather, sometimes we're just hearing silently until it's our turn to speak, right? And so the impetus behind the book was, as I studied his life more, I realized that the thing that can solve many of our problems in ourselves in our homes and in our communities is if we became better listeners and to discuss listening in his life was was my objective there why is it so important i guess as an individual to become a better listener you've mentioned that the prophet وسلم, it was embodied within his life but why is it so important for us today yeah so i mentioned quite a few reasons okay but if i had to just narrow it down so there's quite a few reasons yeah number one uh, there's a few verses that talk about like a, 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 a not a good quality that a person could have is that they distort what they hear. And so when a person becomes a good listener, they learn how to distinguish what's coming from the other person from what's coming from within themselves. And so Kamal, the best way I can explain is like, I said it like this, man. A lot of us are walking around with filters due to trauma and issues that we have. And whatever we hear from others, from 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 khutbah, from lectures, from anyone, from your children, you hear that through a filter. And so one of the most important reasons reasons we need to become better listeners is because when we learn to listen to ourselves and hear me out on this one, within us there is a, a cacophony of emotions. But when we become better listeners, we become the conductors of the grand symphony of this, these emotions. Mm. So so, so hear me out, yo. We got to listen on three levels. This is what I talk about in the book. First thing we got to do is become better listeners of the self. Because if you can't hear anger within you, if you can't hear jealousy within you, if you can't sense those things within you and hear your own trauma and issues, then you won't be at peace with yourself. And then you won't be at peace with the world and you won't be at peace with Allah. Mm. So the first thing I, I teach about in the book is just learn how to listen to yourself, right? Number two, number two, the relationships that we have, my own son, my own daughter, the, the way to bond with them is through intimate dialogue. Human beings bond through intimate dialogue. And um, I, I wanted to show people that there's a human right that children and other people have to be heard and listened to. And um, and so I talk about that. That's the third, second level of listening, learning to listen to other people. And that's a that's a deep concept. We could we could go into that. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, certainly not least, is learning to listen to Allah, um, listen to the Quran. And so we talk about how to have a a back and forth relationship with the Quran. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of us are just, we just read it, but we're not responding to it. 
right? We, when you listen, you should respond, right? So, mm-hmm. right? The Quran says, reply, respond. So part of being a good communicator on all three tiers is learning how to respond the right way, right? Mm-hmm. So when my nafs says, you know, why does he have that? Then I know how to respond. The response is because Allah's and when he gets, it doesn't take away from you. And the nafs is like, all right, cool, be quiet, whatever, right? And then the next level is to listen to others, um, responding to others. And so I talk a lot about attachment theory. Yes, and a lot, yeah. Because, well, I guess we're going to get there. But yeah, we are. Yeah, it's just so clutch. So people need other people, man. Mm. And and we don't realize that what we, what brings us together, listen, us three, three years ago, we sat down and had a conversation. But wallah, I feel tighter than you, to you guys than so many people Allah. just because we talked and listened to each other for 45 minutes to an hour. SubhanAllah. So it's how human beings, you know, bond. And so the last level, of course, as I was saying, was learning to listen to Allah. And uh, there's a specific method, what I'm talking about when I say listening and responding. And so uh, we could talk Shay, about that. Let's let's go into that, inshallah. I mean, you've, you've really broken down the crux of your book and uh, kind of mapped it out for us. And your book, mashallah, has numerous uh, instances of when we're instructed um, from not only from the life of the Prophet but also yeah. our book, the Holy Quran, um, of when, of, of how, and the importance of listening. But let's break that down a bit further, inshallah. So I guess I, we would pose a question to you. Why is it that we've become so, I guess, accustomed to to not being heard in this day and age. And you've mentioned a mm. bit of uh, attachment theory. Inshallah, if you could break that down for us as well, what is attachment theory? Yeah, so so just to, uh, so just so our, 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 so everyone understands the relevance of it. So attachment theory basically says that within each and every one of us, there is a attachment system, just like you have reproductive, nervous, you know, all these different systems within you, uh, respiratory, whatever, right? So attachment theory says that within each and every one of us is this system that desires intimacy with another person. Mm. Okay. And I talk about Mary Ainsworth and John Bowie, the first people to kind of write on this. But of course, it all goes back to the sunnah. Of course, that's the whole point to see its source, where it came from. But And what attachment theory basically says is this. From the moment we come into this world, we come into this world quite literally connected to another human being the womb we come into this world quite literally connected to another human being and that umbilical cord is cut in the moment that source of connection is cut intuitively instinctively the child already knows to seek connection through another method and then later that method is cut and now we move to the stage where we have to actually vocalize our needs through sounds and crying and, and, and facial expressions. And what attachment theory says is that from the time that we were young, we were learning something about the world. We were learning how people would respond to us when we were in need. Whenever we called out, who would respond? And some of us as children learned that no one's going to respond to me. An effect of that is we stop calling out later on in life. Because mm. if no one's responding, why why, 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 why call? Mm. Yeah, why call? So, and some of us learn to cling, to cling on to people because 
if I let go, I might lose this person. So attachment theory says that we learn models of expectancy from people, from the world that were learned when we were children. And then we interact with the world based on those. And here's where I want our audience to truly understand because a lot of people are like, all right, cool, we're Muslims though. What does that have to do with me? Well, what it has to do with you is the fact that two things. Number one, two things. Yo, check this out. Yaqub, I'm gonna tell you a story about a man. This man was a very attractive man as he grew. And he, when he was a child, he was an extremely close to his father. I mean, everyone knew how much his father loved him. But this young boy went through some hardships. He was almost killed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. He was brought into the house of a, a leader of Egypt. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Our prophet Yusuf. Yusuf went through a, a moment that the Quran speaks about. That the wife of the uh, of the Aziz tried to seduce him, and the Quran says uh, he saw Burhan Rabbihi, that he saw a sign from God. Now this is heavy. This is this is the benefit of attachment theory. You, why do we need to know about this? That's why I want to start with why. Ibn Abbas radiAllahu and you could check Tafsir Tabari, you could check Razi, everyone. Ibn Abbas says, do you know what the sign of God is that he saw? He saw his father, Yaqub, saying, son, we don't do that. Like, what that tells me is that in the time of need, for my child to be guided later in life, when I'm gone, moved on, maybe I'm away from him, he's at college, he's doing whatever, if I was present there for him, and here's the key, attachment theory is all based on the caregiver's responsiveness mm -hmm. to the child, to the child. So, so, so subhanAllah, here's the word I want everyone to learn. It's called secure base. The child learns to have a secure base. It's a place, remember we used to play tag? I don't know what y'all play down under, man, but you know, we play tag where you could get to the base and nobody could touch you. Oztag or something. You know, I think it's over here. Very, uh, yeah, bull rush. Bull similar, rush. It's a similar concept. Okay, the can, everyone's yeah. trying UK. to touch each other. But if you get to the base, <laughs> you're safe. You yeah. know, you're safe. So a secure base, here's the key. Human beings, when we're scared, we flee to people, not places. Mm. When we're scared, we flee to people. So in this moment of fitna, when, when Joseph salam, needed guidance, he was able to tap into his secure base because that secure base had taught him, I'm always there for you. Mm, now, this is profound because as we get more religious, people start to think that, oh, you, your secure base should see God. In the time of fitna, you should remember the day of judgment or, mm. you know, remember you're going to stand before Allah. I love this because this is a prophet of God, mm. a prophet of Allah who in a time of fitna, he sees someone who he knew he could trust. And so here's the lesson for everyone. Our secure bases never leave us. So. That is why Bilal is giving the adhan, coming back to Medina to give the adhan months and months and months because his secure base called him back. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his dream. That's what I'm trying to mm. say. So what I, I want people to see why this is so important because 
The greatest charity I can give to the world is to become a true secure base for the people that depend on me because they then become secure individuals and security is the greatest treasure of Islam to the world. Well, it's deep, man. I, I, it I want to actually uh, stop you on that point there about the secure base because you've went further in your book and you've said it's not only a secure base, but you've mentioned the word to have felt security. Mm. So it's not only to have that base present, but, to but feel. they need to feel something. Elaborate on that concept. Okay, so the original idea of attachment theory was that our attachment system was seeking out physical proximity to another human being, physical mm -hmm. proximity. Mm -hmm. But I mean, our Dean is way ahead. Our, they realized, no, wait, it doesn't matter if the physical body is present of that caregiver. What matters is the child or person's sense of presence, sense of presence. Mm -hmm. Now, I want us to think about an act of ibadah in which physical presence doesn't matter as much as the felt presence or, or, or emotional, mental presence. I mean, it, it, we do it all the time. Salah. Think about the salah that you're there. Allahu Akbar. Not there. Not there. The hadith say you get <laughs> one-tenth, two-tenths, three-tenths, four-tenths of what you're supposed to get versus the short two raka'ah of presence. All I'm trying to say is that we see the same thing that God wants us to develop with him is what we need to be giving to other people as well. Mm -hmm. And so felt presence for our audience and for, for us, <clears throat> felt presence is do the people around me feel my presence when I'm with them or is the complaint you're never around, even though you're actually there. You're not just not, just not present. You're just a shell. You're just a shell. You're just, yeah. you're subhanAllah. It's so, it's so we have to listen to what people say about us when they say you're never here. Mm. Now, one is you literally are literally not out. You're outside of the house, but in most of the time, it's not about time. It's about the quality of your presence when you're there. Mm. And that's what we learn about Salah. Like, with khushu, short, is beloved to Allah. Mm -hmm. Same with wifey, same with your grandma, same with your children. Five minutes, 10 minutes with just, I'm here with you. Man, it, it, it creates yeah. security. And the, and, the, and the important thing to remember, this hurts a lot of us because, you know, people that were never listened to find it hard to listen. Mm -hmm. But what I want us to understand is we can reshape our connections to other people. Um, it's not a lost cause. A lot of us are listening like, okay, I don't have children and my dad was never present. Now what do I do? Well, well, let me help you. I'll tell you about a man. I'll tell you about a man who uh, lost his mother when he was young. Don't even, he can't even remember his father. Mm. And, uh, you know, his grandfather looked after him for a while and he passed away. His uncle looked after looked after him too, and that was his secure base. Base, um, You know, he this man had a wife that he loved, who he ran to when he was scared. See, we all run to people when we're scared. They both left him. This man had every reason in the world. Every this man had every reason in the world to be spiteful to be upset to be angry 
but he was never salty. He just gave honey back. So, but he always had Abu Bakr, right? He always had Abu Bakr who he said, if it wasn't for Islam, you would be my closest friend. What I'm trying to say is just think if I didn't have those people, um, then the new relationships that I form with people I meet, my wife, my friends, I can learn to trust and love and be and find security again. Yeah. Sheikh, yeah. Sheikh, you've spoken a lot about selfishness in your book, about not being a good listener because we're selfish. We're not giving people the time and energy required that they desire, um, that they actually need. And you've also spoken about people not having the amount of emotional energy and emotional investment into people. So many of us go about our lives never expecting to be heard, never expecting to be listened to. And that, I guess, creates within us a void. Speak to us about this selfishness and, and I guess why it's so damaging to our relationships around us. And if I could add it to Kamal's question, Sheikh, um, you've, I guess, a counter kind of view that kind of that's on that is people not having the threshold uh, for trauma, because you've mentioned also in your book that people, a conversation, you never know what you're going getting yourself into, but you have to treat it like a long walk. But what would you say mm. to that? But also to someone who says, look, I am aware of my own capabilities of my surroundings, but I just don't have the threshold to withhold mm. and to, yeah. to somewhat maybe simplify through what you're going through because I'm in my own world at the moment and it's not easy for what I'm going through. What's yeah, the, that, both what's of, the balance? Both of your, yeah, both of your questions, I think, I mean, let's talk about it. Let, let, let's talk about it. The first one is the idea of selfishness. These are the two extremes, okay? Mm -hmm. The two extremes are, I never give myself to another person. I never give my presence to them. I never concern myself with their trauma, their issues, what they're going through. I never do that. I don't have the space and the time and the energy for anyone except myself. Mm -hmm. I'll say one thing to that. That will be very lonely. It's counterintuitive. Our dean teaches us that giving is how you get more, right? Like uh, right? Our, a, a servant is getting the help of God so long as they're helping another person. So the idea, this is very interesting. A true listener has to suppress the self and the urges of the self in order to take in what the other one wants us to see and experience. Please hear me out on this. A true listener allows space within themselves for the other person's thoughts and ideas. And when you do that, hear me out. The other person gets an amazing sense of belonging and acceptance. Mm. So, it's, it's about understanding. And I start normally by saying this. If you didn't give a person food who was dependent upon you, we would all say you deserve to be thrown underneath the jail, man. If you, if you didn't provide shelter for someone who depends on you when you had the means, we would say, man, you deserve whatever punishment the world gives you. But what if we don't give belonging and intimate connection, intimacy, when the human being in Arabic is called insun, which means intimate beings, mm. right? So, so first thing I want to understand, I want people to understand selfishness. The, the most stingy person 
is the one that doesn't hold back money, but not the one that doesn't give their time and their self to other people when other people need them. And so some people, they're, it's just about me. It's just about me. It's just about me. It's just about me. And the only thing I can say to that person if is that um, you won't have really fulfilling relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, the people around you will always feel that you're not there. Um, and the more of yourself you give, the more you see people not wanting to take in because we reciprocate what others do for us. And so um, that's the first side of that coin, right? The first side. Um, and, and if we study the Prophet, like he's walking down the street. I'm just going to give one example. Like he's walking down the street and anyone who needed him, he's like, I'm Hather, I'm there for you. I mean, we are, we have tons of examples, uh, so many examples of 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 an elderly lady pulling him to the side and saying, I need to talk to you about something. And he sits and he just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. His yeah. Neighbor, so. and, and me and you, we're kind of like, yeah, we don't even, we don't open the text because they're going to see that it's red. You know what I mean? <laughs> we don't, if, if I now you've got the unread, it, you've got the unread section it, nowadays, so it's a bit cheeky. Uh-huh. You've got the unread, you can unread a message now, oh, so it's a bit oh, cheeky. Oh, I didn't know that. I, now I know. Now I know. <laughs> So first of all, stingy, man. Um, it just, it, something just came to my mind, a, a hadith. And I don't know if there's a connection, but I want to share it because maybe you can see a connection that I don't see. The Prophet Sallallahu in one narration, he said, Al-Bakhil man The true stingy person is who the one who hears my name, but can't say Sallallahu Alaihi Ya Rasulullah. I don't know if there's a connection there, but is there something about us putting ourselves to the side and thinking about the Rasul and what he did for us. I, I don't know. Wallahu. Okay. We're stingy with so, our time. We're not giving him our time. You're being very yeah, stingy. We're not giving, like the one who gave you the most, you can't give yeah. him a sallallahu alayhi. Like, a second, a, half a, a second. If, if you go to like East Africa and uh, places around there, you'd see that all these uncles would normally get into arguments and then somebody just comes, normally the person that instigates it, we would just go, salu an nabi. And then we goes, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. So we just... It just yeah. stops everything. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. <laughs> Beautiful. Now the other side, and and I and I I I it's important to go to the other side, okay? In the other side, what we mean is those who feel they don't have the bandwidth to take in everything from everyone. Yeah. All the emotional stuff that's coming in, it's it's a lot for them. Uh, this is what I'm gonna say though. I have a solution, inshallah ta'ala. Um I have a family of five, okay? Mashallah. My closest, oh. my closest, right? Including me, including me, right? There's five of us, right? Wife and three kids, okay? Those four people, and I wrote about this, the social hierarchy of the, um, the it, there's a part in the book where I talk about your layered- the circles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Your layered social structure, right? Basically, uh, part of the social brain theory is like, our social layers keep growing. So mm-hmm. for me, I have five. And then outside of that layer are people who are a little further out, closer to me, but not as close. And then it yeah. just keeps getting wider and wider and wider and wider. Now, problem number one, why can't many of us listen to uh, listen to others? Number one, ready? We're listening too much to the exterior circles of our social networks. We're involved, we're investing so much emotional energy to the bots on Twitter, yo. Yeah. Like, like 
so much. And by the time you get to the people in your inner circle, you're emotionally tired, tired, right? You're emotionally tired. Some of us, you know, I know this is for the whole family, but a lot of people emotionally share too much with coworkers, yo. Mm. Like that, that all that, that emotion you had that you just shared with such and such from HR. Nah, bro. That was for your wifey, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that you was, that, that should have went there. You spoke about you how the, the inner you travel towards these social circles. So you've got your family on the innermost part of those circles. And then you've got like Twitter and social, your, your social networks on the outermost part, but people are just here. venting their entire lives and their entire problems yeah. outwardly instead of turning inwardly, inwardly towards yeah. the people that need them most. So I have a theory on this come out. This is deep, man. So, so listen, oh, this is heavy, bro. So like, did y'all read the part about pair bonded species and, and how animals. the animals, right? Yes. So let's, let's talk about this with the audience real quick. Cause it's going to connect just to what you said. So mm -hmm. basically social brain theory says that human beings and primates evolved. I know we were created by a log. I got it. Cool. But you're going to get us canceled. Sheikh. Just be tread very carefully. <laughs> tread very carefully. <laughs> so social brains that we evolved larger brains because we had core groups that were larger and needed more cognitive uh, investment. Right? So I'm a father, I'm a husband. My mom's walking in the house too. I'm a son. You know, my grandmother walks in the house. I'm a grandson. And at the same time, my son's right over there. And I'm like, hey, put that down. Like literally at one time, we're managing so much. Reptiles don't worry about their grandma reptile, bro. You know what I mean? Human beings are concerned with generations and yeah. people around. Why is that important? Okay. Humans and primates, we pair bond. What that means is we find a mate and we stay with them for long periods of time. Larger brains means staying with an Now, I don't want, I know your audience is so global and I don't want someone to take one piece of this and misunderstand it. So I hope they get the whole thing. But larger, larger brains was a sign, was a, something needed in order to have a pair bonded relationship. Meaning, meaning hookup culture is a step backwards mm, in evolution. Yeah. It, we're going backwards because it means I can't be with someone for long periods of time. I don't have the cognitive bandwidth for mm -hmm. prolonged relationships with a single individual. Hundred percent. So, 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 so that is, I mean, like, now so obviously, long Tinder. Oh, uh, yo, that, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm like, it's so beautiful because, um, just on so many levels, we see the beauty of our Dean. And so that, that social layers is basically for those who haven't read the book, I say like, you want to spend the most 90, 80% of your emotional energy. It's mm -hmm. a finite resource. Okay. It's a finite resource. Therapists and counselors, they, they have a limit to how many people they can see a day. You hear the saying, Sheikh, my time is my energy nowadays. That's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to say, biggest problem, number one, I was given the number of problems. Number one, we spend too much time on the peripheral, number one, right? And so we don't have enough energy left when we go back to those who truly need us, number one. Now, a brother once said to me, um, sometimes I get home from work and I'm just tired, right? And, uh, you know, like, because you know how it is, mashallah, if you have a family, you know, you walk in the house, your five-year-old kid don't care what happened at work today. 
It's time. It's showtime. And so what I said to him is, you need to walk in the house realizing you're going to work. Allah. <laughs> I just imagine there's so many of us actually realize that nowadays. No, we don't. Yeah, we, we walk don't, in yeah. and it's just like, yo, I'm supposed to like serve me, everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the Rasul Sallallahu now I know the audience is always like, wait, no, no, no. Back that up. Sunnah. Okay. mihnati <laughs> baytihi. <laughs> Aisha says the moment he walked in, he was working. He was at work. He mihna means mihna, mihna. Like canafi mihna tibet. Now somebody said the same brother was like, but after a while you get tired. I was like, you know what you do when you get tired, right? Go for salat in jama'ah, Habibi. Allah. Go to the masjid. You go, you pray, you sit there, you relax, you collect yourself. Maybe you even sit from Asr to Maghrib. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But you know, they say Rasulullah, there's a narration. I put it in the book that he would be serving the family the moment the adhan went off. Gone. I'm out. And yeah. I said, it's so beautiful because it's my literal. <laughs> it's almost funny because right when you may be like, man, I need a break, yo. Like, yeah. I played with two of my kids. Now I gave my wife some time. Me and her talked and drank tea together, chill. I'm tired. I just like, I need to step aside. What do most of us do? Pick up and start scrolling. Mm -hmm. But with the Rasul Sallallahu Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Oh, I got to go, y'all. I'll be back later. Mm. Went to the masjid. Sat down. Relax. You know, maybe sit with some brothers who are there. It, who knows? Mm. But it's just, uh, I, I just, these are some practical steps of like, when you come into the house, shift your mindset. Like, nah, I'm coming. I, I'm going to work work emotionally on being present in a father figure in a husband figure in a it, maybe you live with your 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 elderly parents in a, a adult son you know um okay so those are those were two things that get in the way from us from listening the other thing that gets in the way of us listening um is too much noise inside we talked about that mm -hmm. but now i want to switch to the second part of your conversation that you you asked which was um i can't take in so much what I'll say is this, there's a core group. Those are the ones we want to focus on at first. I can't say to my son, son, I'm sorry. I can't listen. You're not allowed to say that, man. Like he deserves you. He needs you. Like that's his haq, man. Mm -hmm. So, so like, I get it. All I'm trying to say is nafsak. like come to the center, man and give whatever you can just to that person. I'm not telling you to take care of the whole community. I'm telling you just to emotionally invest in those closest to you and slowly build your capacity for, and when we say listening, let's be more clear. We're talking about the ability to take in the meanings of another person and to see their perspective and allow them the space to, 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 a lot of people have come out. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you say to them, you know, now that I say it, I kind of understand. Yeah. Look, mm -hmm. your job as a listener, I want everyone to get this. We listen not to solve, but to reflect. What does that mean? Mm. We listen not to solve problems, but to reflect the meaning of what has been said back to the person so they can hear it more clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel me? Sheikh, you've 100%. actually you've actually written in your book and subhanAllah, like I said, there's so many instances that you've given. But in this one in particular, there was three responses that somebody could give to a child. Um, I'm trying oh. to find the, 
trying to find the pages, so just bear with me. I'll give it to you. I got it. Oh, you've got got it. it. Well, you're the author, so you would know. (laughs) No, no, I I, I mean, I worked on it a little bit. So, (laughs) um, so, 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 yeah. So, okay. Now, if we, if we tap into that, we need to understand there's a shift here. Mm -hmm. Um, The shift here is about uh, knowing how to respond to what someone is truly saying. Mm -hmm. So, so, so the section that you're highlighting is about how do we respond to people? Okay. Well, in order to respond, we actually have to know what was communicated, what was actually said. And so mm-hmm. in the book, I give an example. Um, you know, my, my, my daughter runs up to me, you know, she's learning about American history and she goes, yo, hey, dad, 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 did you know the uh, first American flag had 13 stars for the 13 colonies? Okay. A little bit of mm-hmm. American history for y'all, yo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Coming from a, a Texan himself, you know, gotcha. um, so, so, so. I say, uh, there's a, there's, how do I respond here? Well, if it's just the words, did you know that there were blah, 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 blah? My response would be, yeah, I knew yes. that. Yeah. yeah, I knew that. Now, some people have a problem hearing deeper meanings, and they would actually say that. Mm-hmm. They would actually say, yeah, I knew that. And But there, I mean, that's if, you're, if you have a problem, right? Now, the next thing is, um, the next level up... I, I can't remember the exact next level up, uh, but the next level up would have been like, um, one second, I find I found it already. So the next level would be to say, wow, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that a response? Because it's not about, did you actually know, but your excitement for their knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Their excitement for their knowledge. And now here's level three. Level three is really? Like, like curiosity. Tell me more. Really? Wow. That's so interesting. You're learning so much. I'm so proud of you. Tell me more. Where did, where did you learn that? Mm -hmm. So, so now I'll say this to the audience and to myself and to you, older siblings ruin the, uh, the, 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 the (laughs) excitement, enthusiasm of younger siblings who are trout, like learning, you know, cause so many times a younger child is hyped up about something. And the older kid is just like, yeah, man, we knew that. Like yeah, before that. you were born. Yeah. yeah and, and it's kind of like, don't do that, man. Because mm. like you want to keep the person and I'll give you everyone. Yo, Sheikh, where's the Islamic so- support for this? Uh, Rabia Surai. Sheikh, mm. I have to say this was, this was actually the best one that I've actually highlighted. Would, could, could I do the honor, Sheikh, in reading this out? Because this yes, really yes. stuck Atar out bin to me. Atar bin yes. Rabah said, Often a person will come and narrate to me a prophetic narration and I listen as if I have never heard of the narration before. While the fact of the matter is that I heard this narration before the person speaking was even born. Allah. That's humility just written there. That was by far one of the most things that stood out to me in the book. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 (laughs) I mean... That is literally what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So that that's one side of learning to respond. It's like, what does the person need to hear to help them get to where they need to be? Um, and so depending on the circumstance, I think it's important to respond um, in that kind of way, right? Uh, um, in so many situations, so many situations. Don't respond to the words, but respond to the meaning that is actually being communicated to you that's what we're talking about i've heard i've heard actually so many like marriage psychologists actually speak on this like when your wife is venting to you the husband's brain is just equipped or wired to 
quickly look for solutions, quickly try to solve her problems. But she doesn't want you to solve her problems. She just wants to know mm. that you've heard her, mm. you've understood her, you've connected with her, you've listened to her, and then worry about the solution later. But that's what like mm. part of the listening process is. But yeah. this is you're 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 the man that I'm learning all this from. I want to move to the uh you had if you had something to you, add. Can I comment on that yeah, real yeah, quick? Yeah. yeah. I think it's important for Muslim men and women to see these examples in the Prophet Sallallahu life. And mm -hmm. so, Kamal, you just spoke about just listening, not solving problems. And I want to tell you a story. I know we're going to go with this one. I'm going to let us check. I know we're going to go with of a man. this one. Go for it. I want to tell you a story of a man <laughs> who was sitting in a cave by himself, devoted to silence and worship of God. Mm -hmm. And an angel came to him oh. and he was scared. He ran down this mountain. And he rushed to a woman's arms and he said, hold me, hold me. I'm scared. And she said to him, tell me, talk to me about what you saw. Just, just talk. She can't solve it. She can't, she can't just tell me, let it out. Explain, explain. And so. I just want people to see that everyone needs someone. And we just think the more pious I get, the more individualistic I get. Mm -hmm. We don't have mm -hmm. Rahbaniya, monasticism mm -hmm. in our deen. Mm -hmm. We don't. Revelation began with a hug, man. Allah. Mm -hmm. Allah. Allah. Yo, Allah. Revelation began with a hug, bro. <laughs> Sheikh, you, you've, you've touched on something. I, I want to get you to elaborate on it. I want you to really go deep into this. I actually crossed it out. I wasn't going to go there, but you've brought it up and I actually do want to go there. Monasticism is not part of our deen. A lot yeah. of the times, the and you've also quoted that we all need someone to speak to. Mm -hmm. We all need someone to vent to, to speak to, to let it all out. But a lot of the, I guess, tradition that we grew up listening to was instructing us to be quiet, to be silent, mm -hmm. to just mm -hmm. like... Uh, pass it away you know if you need to vent vent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep it closed keep it on the prayer mat don't let it out to people um, mm -hmm. and there's all this like uh, there's a whole corpus of, of of ahadith and narrations telling us to just you know stay silent you know like the famous quote of Umar bin Khattab I never regretted my silence once and, and all mm -hmm. of this is true right you know there, there's so much benefit in staying silent but how do you balance that silence with the need to just like let it all out. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Like, okay. So, so, so the first thing first, I think we need to understand is that we all need, okay. We all need someone to listen to us. And some people will say, yeah, but you're supposed to uh, talk to God, right? You're supposed to communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is true at its core. And, and there's a part in the book where I talk about depth, okay? Depth and breadth of communication. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at communication like this, like upside down pyramid, okay? And um, and, and the deeper you go it is the deeper pains, the deeper like things that are your core secrets and things that no one knows, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a level of depth that only you and God know. 
Above that, however, we need people. We need people to talk to. We need people to, uh, to, to, to help us hear what's happening inside of us. And I want everyone to look, understand it from this perspective. I'm going to, I'm going to prove it with this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, he taught that kalam, speaking after Isha, Salatul Isha is makru. Right? A lot of people know this, right? Yeah. However, however, to talk with your wife in the night is not, right? What, I, what I'm trying to highlight through that narration is what would, there's a level of intimacy and discussion and dialogue that a person needs, and there's no one closer to you than your Khadija and your Aisha. And so for me, May Allah grant uh, Khadija and Aisha to all of our brothers that are looking for their Khadija and Aisha. Amin, amin. Just had to. Yo, yo, Kamal, seriously, think about it. It it began in Khadija's arms, literally, and it ended on Aisha's chest. Allahu Akbar. Get that quoted and go. Like, like, I just want. You've got to say that again one more time. You've just got to die. It began began in the arms of Khadija. And it ended on the chest of Aisha. The reason I'm saying that is because masculinity now is, mm. is, is, is there's a fight for it. There's a fight to define and grab masculinity. Mm. And what we all need to do is we need to, 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 to imitate Muhammad Sallallahu We need to imitate Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's where masculinity lies for us. It lies mm. in the Rasul Sallallahu And so what I want us to see is a pure representation of how he needed people and showed vulnerability. Mm. Check it. Be- and, and and we're going to come back to your, your question. I don't want to dodge your question, the silence and this and that. But I feel this is a cop-out. It's a cop-out. And I'll tell you why. Surah Yasin. When you tell them to feed people, they say, should we feed the people that if Allah wanted to, he could have fed? Allah feeds people through people. Allah nurtures people through people. Allah heals people through people. So what are you saying, man? I have a friend who's tight with me. And I we just I'll just call him and it's my day. He knows I'm having a rough day. Wifey's tripping, kids wilding out, boss is tripping. And I'm just like, bro, da 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 da. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, yo, Jazakallah. He's like, I got you. <laughs> Two days later, he's calling, man, you won't believe it. And I'm all ears. As we say, I'm all ears. Mm-hmm. I'm all ears. I'm taking in everything. You need Why? someone. Because, and what do we need? He doesn't solve the problem. Nine out of 10, what he does, he listens to it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And sometimes, and that's why I got another trick for people. If you cannot be vulnerable to another human being, first of all, you're going to have difficulty being vulnerable before God. But cool, Whoa. put that to the side. But if you can't be vulnerable to another human being, pick up a pen. How many poets, how many poets are just cleaning their heart every day? They pick up a pen. They're metaphysicians of their time. That's what they were. That's it. They're just, I got to get this out. I mean, I heard Amir Suleiman say, like, I ain't going to say, like, it was, it was, it was was fire, (laughs) man. But he's like, this pen's got to get it out. Because if this pen doesn't get it out, I don't remember the exact verses, but it's going to tear my insides out. Mm-hmm. You know, basically that 
these these deep feelings we have inside. And I heard Tariq Muslah, he's a sheikh here in Chicago. Tariq Muslah, um, he said, uh, and he's a psychologist too. Uh, he studied in Medina and he's a psychologist. He said, uh, trauma, if you don't deal with it, it will deal with you. Dear. It will deal with you. How do you deal with it? You talk about it, man. Mm -hmm. uh, let me give an example. Because we want everything grounded in sunnah. Mm -hmm. Tell you a story. <laughs> That's going to be the name of this, this podcast. Story time I'll tell, tell you a story. <laughs> I'll tell you a story. Now, so so there was a young man who came to the Prophet, so I tell him, and I'll be quick so we could get both stories. He says, my father's trying to take my money. Mm. My father's trying to take my money. The Prophet served the capacity of a judge too. So he says, call your father, bring him here. While they're gone, an angel Gabriel comes and he says, when the man comes, ask the father to tell you the lines of poetry that he was reciting in his heart. Allah. Gabriel leaves. The young man shows up with his, with his father trailing behind him. And they begin to present the case before the Prophet And right when they're about to present, the Prophet says, hold on. Sir, if you don't mind sharing with us the lines of poetry that you were organizing in your head as you were walking here. And the man is shocked and he says, you can constantly increase us in certainty that you are a prophet of God, because how did you hear what, what my own ears have not heard yet? Now, hold on. How many of us listening to right now have stuff in us our own ears haven't heard yet? So that, that phrase, my own ears haven't heard yet. Listening Tell to yourself. Us. Yes, and it tells us that I can help you, Kamal, listen to yourself by saying what he says next. The Prophet says these words, Abu Dawood in other narrations. He says, Qul wa ana asma'u. Speak and I'll listen. Allah. Speak. He didn't say, keep that for Allah. Let me solve this case. What's the fiqh on the matter? Mm -hmm. Now the narration goes. He drops the most beautiful lines of poetry. That go down in the history of eloquence and 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 and, and, and sadness, and the and the poetry ends by him saying, "If it what it it was my hope that it if you did not give me the haq of a father, then at least you could have given me the haq of a neighbor." By the time he finishes, the prophet is in tears, weeping. He allowed this man to innama ashku bathi. He allowed him to get that out. And I know the verse, Athri eat Allah. I got it. I understand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand. And there is a level of depth, depth that we leave for God. I get it. But he told the man, speak, get it out, get it out. By the time he was done, now here's the part. He was an empath. So he let, now there's a part I write in the book. When you listen to someone, you, you neuro, neurologically sync with them. And what that means is when they retell the story, your brain re-sees it as if it was firsthand. Mm. And so you literally take in a share of anyone you listen to. Hence why we should listen to more Quran, but we can talk about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, you neurologically sync with the one you listen to. So, so he's crying. And then the, the prophet says, Boy, stand up. 
You and your money belong to your father. Ask every mufti, sheikh, whoever. There's no fiqh derived from this. There, there's no faqih that says like, oh, your father owns your money. No, because the idea is that many of the problems that we have will be solved when we teach each other how to listen to the pain that each of us is feeling. So, so the lesson here, what's the lesson? The lesson here is that I can, I can help, subhanAllah, I can help two people by facilitating or allowing them the space to listen to one another. The son was forced to hear the deep pain of the father. And that's the solution. So that's the first thing, number one. Number two, the, the, the angel Gabriel came down and told him what to do. That's ta'alim. Mm -hmm. That's like, that's prophetic, like teaching, like he's being taught in that moment. And what was he taught to say? Qul wa ana asma'u. Speak, I'll listen to your pain. Taught to listen. And, and, and he was taught to listen. Um, there was another verse he was taught to listen. Don't, don't move your tongue while you're listening. Just stop and listen. We will gather it together for you in your mind. But just listen. Because he used to try to recite quickly and, and grab it and memorize it. So he was taught how to listen. So that that's my first example of our beloved وسلم, telling someone to speak to me in a therapeutic level. Number two, this is a hadith. It's not found in the siha. I put it in the book. I can find the reference. There was a man who was, was very sad in the presence of the Prophet mm. And the Prophet saw him and he was like, every time I see you, you're just very gloomy. What's very going sad. on? Mm. And he goes through this long, elaborate story of him killing his own daughter alive. And Here's the deal. The prophet didn't stop him and say, oh, leave that to God. No, no, just talk to God mm. about that. Mm. He listened. He just took it. Because that man's healing was in getting that off, getting it out. Mm. Now, I understand, man. I understand we, we're touching almost a place where some people would go, wait, you're not supposed to share your sins. And I agree. That is a fiqh ruling. You do not share sins. Why, though? You don't share sins because you don't want to normalize sins. That's one reason we don't share sins is we don't want to normalize them. This man was talking about something he did back in the day it's and that pain. he could not let go of. Yeah, he's speaking he about the pain. He couldn't let go of it. Now, if you can let go of a sin you did, you could do toba and let go. Maybe you don't need to say it. Maybe you could just write it in your journal. Like I keep a journal of my toba and the things I'm moving because writing it down, it does, it's, it's, it allows me to get it out. I can't believe I'm struggling with this. Michael, when will you give this up? Just even if I rip it up later and throw it away, I got it out. So I know we have this emphasis on silence, right? I get that. But I also see a man in Muhammad who allowed people the space to talk and speak about what their hearts were feeling. And yeah, please, please. So, something's just like screaming at me right now. Um, you know, I think we shouldn't put speaking to Allah and speaking to human beings as though they're mutually exclusive. We can very mm. well 
vent to Allah and vent to the right people, the right people. Yes. And the Prophet yes. was the best person to vent to. And Allah, let me tell you a story, Shaykh. Allah, Allah heard that woman. She's complaining to you, O Prophet. And Allah heard her complaint before. She was wow. venting to, to Allah and now she's coming to vent to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah is hearing your conversation. That's just like, it's like an explosion, like both vent to Allah and vent to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They're not mutually yeah. exclusive. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. When you said that, the thing that came to my mind is if you're in the chat section venting, you got issues, like that's the wrong mm. place, Habib, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Like. See, see, and a lot of this anger we see in these anonymous accounts is people that never had no one to talk to. Yo, man, I put it in the book. Shay, I want to want to touch on that social media. Are, are you a social fan? Media, of it, social media, it's a perfect segue. Mm -hmm, it's a perfect mm -hmm. segue. Mm -hmm. Social media has created this platform for everyone to speak at once. But the problem is that there's no one listening. Another side. Not hearing, listening on a deep empathetic le level. You can say the most like like deep story or, or deep feeling. People just flicking through those comments. What what what's the example I used? I use an example of a kid at a, at a at a at a park with a ball. In order for us to thrive as a as a community, I have to throw the ball to you. You throw it back to me. I throw the ball to you or kick, you know, soccer. I kick it to you, kick it to me. Mm -hmm. But if we all come with our own ball, we'll yeah, never play. Yeah. We're never going to play mm -hmm. until we put it down. And, and what, what's that the metaphor for? I said, we throw our post up in the air, realizing mm -hmm. that there's no one to catch it except us. Mm -hmm. No one's reading that. You're not getting what you expected from that. And so I, I completely agree with you, which is when we say venting, it's not, it, it's not to the world. It's to close people who you can talk to. Let me give an example. Let's be practical. There was a moment in the Prophet life when his wife Aisha was accused of zina. He didn't know what to do. He went to Ali, close friend. He went to Abu Bakr, close friend. He didn't go to Abdul, Al Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul. He, he didn't post it in the forum. You know, he went to intimate people like, yo, what do I do? Now you could say he's the Rasul, just ask God. But we learned something, man. We learned something. People need people, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's just common sense for me. And, and I, I, I'm going to stop here, but I said a verse and I don't think it resonated too well, man. Like, like, should we feed the people that Allah could have fed? Should we listen to the people who should be talking to Allah? No, Allah uses people, people yeah. for people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Sheikh, your words are, mashallah, very deeply resonating with us. Um, it is very true what you're, what you're saying. Uh, Allah uses people through to give to help and uh, aid others. I think you, even before yeah. you were talking about the importance of having you know, Angel Jibreel coming to the Prophet Sallallahu like mm. you've also mentioned the book and I'll just mention this briefly here about the importance of having a murabbi but there's so there's so many levels that you can communicate uh, with Allah and social media will come into play and I'll get to that but subhanAllah one mm. instance you mentioned in the book 
is when an angel Jibril went to the, when the Prophet was in Isra, in the ascension, and mm-hmm. angel Jibril just said to him, I, I, this is this is where I leave you. Yes. SubhanAllah. And this is yes. this and I talked to Allah. But Shaykh, I'm gonna park that there. SubhanAllah, I'm done, I don't know how I've recorded that without shedding a tear because SubhanAllah, I was really melting down at that point. Like this oh. fana, this annihilation that you just have on this inside. But let's park that there for a second and we'll come back to yes. this. Oh, I'm gonna, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a curveball a little bit, inshallah. But you're talking about social media, and I'm through reading your book. It seems that you're not a big fan of social media, and I understand that you've also mentioned that you know we are in, we are insane, we are social creatures. But you've mentioned a really interesting statistic about 40 to 70 percent of Americans, not Australians, uh, I'm diving over here, haven't <laughs> read haven't read a book in the last year, and yeah, we've man. got social media now where it's redefined the terms of friends. And sharing that you mentioned, it's interesting yeah, enough. Man. You know, we also hear this the saying that social media calls it's people who use social media are users. And when else do you hear the word users being used? It's normally associated with a, an an addiction or something. Your mm. your user, and now you have social media. Subhanallah. Mm. But I guess the question is, I would put to you is mm. um, is really social is social media getting in the way of our personal relationships? Does it in does it does social media hinder us from forming real life relationships? Like you said, we can. We can understand or we can hear what they're saying. We can hear what the other person is saying, but we can never truly understand it. Mm. Yeah, the question is the question is profound. Um, you know, uh, I don't feel social media helps us cultivate nurturing relationships. Mm. I think social media is a experiment the data will get back in 30 years and we're the guinea pigs Mm. um i think it causes differences to be exacerbated it doesn't it allows us to hide behind being anonymous and the evil the worst of us is coming out in that Mm. um the last few years have seen a spike in hate speech and divisive speech living in silos and stuff mm. online and my own country we saw uh, insurrection two three yeah. years ago mm-hmm. and we find people living in alternate universes but not sharing the same planet they live in alternate universes but not sharing the same planet mm-hmm. do you feel me mm-hmm. they're not together they're divorced they, they don't talk to one another. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let me get at it. Am I on social media? Well, what does on mean? <laughs> I think those who have influence must create content and, and, and do their best to create the best and most enriching content, spiritually, nurturally, and mentally nurturing content. Influences. Um, What's an influencer? What are you putting people under the influence of? Right? Yeah, exactly. So you, it, but at the same time, I don't think people should be consumers of this. They need to be very careful. Now, we got to be specific. There are certain platforms for which you can uh, curate your your feed. Another mm-hmm. word that's really weird. Animals are given feeds. Um, but anyways, uh, you can curate your feed and watch your diet with Instagram, for example, and Facebook. You can curate that stuff. You won't see random stuff, um, he- thereby controlling your diet. 
However, I'm not on it at all, but from what I know, TikTok, you don't control what you see. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the algorithm gives you what you should be wanting to see or the thing that will generate the most emotional response from you. So um, I'm reading a good book right now, uh, uh, The Dopamine Nation. Mm. It's a phenomenal book, The Dopamine Nation. Um, and this addiction to pleasure, instant pleasure, and how uh, we just want things quick. It's a, it's a great read. I just highly recommend it. Um, anyways, so my point is, I think we should be very careful about social media. Um, I think we should, as much time as you spend on social media, three times that you should spend with actual people. Mm -hmm. Three mm -hmm. times that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not a neo-Luddite. Uh, <laughs> We've heard that term so many terms. Uh, We've heard that word Luddite being used so many, so many times nowadays. It's actually quite funny. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of gone up in the Google algorithm. It's being used yeah. more. Um, I, I went to a flip phone prior to COVID. Oh, wow. Uh, but I, I couldn't do it for prolonged just because of work and stuff. But I, mm -hmm. I made an adamant attempt to go to a flip phone um, just because it, it was it was it was taking over my mind, man. I couldn't mm. couldn't think, you know, uh, and just I flipped, heard flipped out if you part in the pun. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I needed to gain control again. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I need to mm -hmm. gain control again. And, um, you know, I just heard. So there's some really influential people around the world that are never on social media, you know? You see about them on social media, but they're not sitting there consuming that stuff. So mm -hmm. my buzzword for 2023 was mental real estate. We have to be very careful about what we let in. Um, and uh, so again, just to connect connect social media to listening for our audience, uh, you, you only have a limited bandwidth of emotional energy. And so that emotional energy should be put at the most important places and, and, and when you want to share, this is really important. When you want to share, share with the one who values what you share the most, the ones closest mm. to you. The ones closest to you. Sheikh, we'll end on a, a frightening statistic. We just mm. had a, an AI scientist come into our studio last week and we shot a video with him and he predicts that within the next five years, many of us, would have best friends with an AI bot. So goodbye. So long, uh, social media friends and Facebook friends and Twitter friends. Like you've you've, you're you've actually got AI fake friends. No, avatar, so. an AI bot as your friend who is yeah. trained by AI to know you, know your interests, connect with you, yeah. get along with you, um, probably have the same sense of humor as you. And yeah, it's really scary how the connection that we share with one another mm. is going to be, I guess, completely disconnected very mm. soon. Oh. It's, it's, it's going downhill right now through social media, as we've mentioned, but through AI, I, I do fear that it's going to get a whole lot worse. Sheikh, I am conscious mm. of time. If we could ask, mm. do, is it possible to go on one more, one more question, Sheikh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Inshallah. I wish we had like Definitely. five hours. I wish you were here right now. Yeah, like this, this sucks, man. This this is like. No, inshallah, <laughs> you'll, you'll come. We'll see inshallah. Inshallah. inshallah, the hey, day will come. Yeah. By the way, just to, for the for for the people down in your area, mm. Dar Salam in Australia, they mm. they 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 stock the book there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Which they book? stock. I'm just saying that this because book. yeah, they stock that mm -hmm. book. That book is in 
Darslam Australia, which it makes it easier for the community to get and it's local. Mm. It'll come to yeah. you quick, inshallah. So I just wanted to let everyone know that it is available local to you guys. Mm. And if anyone's ever in Malaysia or Singapore, word the books would be the place to check yes. out. Yes. Inshallah. Sure. But Sheikh Kamal's actually talked on something that's a little bit depressing. Uh, so I thought perhaps we could end the conversation on something that's a bit light, uh, a bit more to lighten things up, inshallah. Uplifting. Uplifting. You've mentioned two notable people in your in your book, uh, Ibn Qayyum and Ibn Atala al-Iskandri, and on mm. the topic of connecting with Allah. And you've you've written a lot about this. Um, you've even given some simple steps. But even for those who may not be familiar with Ibn Atala, um, his book of aphorisms, his hikms is most notably known. But he also has a book of, um, you could say, du'as that he made or conversations yeah. that he recorded with Allah. If you could yeah. delve deep into that about how does one connect with Allah in the times that we live in with so much noise um, that's around us. Allahu Akbar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Okay. So the so so the premise is that the Prophet came as the great connector, connector to self, connector to community, and connector to Allah ultimately. Uh his moment in the cave was connecting to self. Um his moment as a leader was connecting to people in Medina specifically too. Mm -hmm. And his final moments connection with Allah. Now how do we create a deeper, better connection through listening uh, with Allah and communication with God. First of all, um, our du'as. When we use the word du'a, in Arabic, it's a very jami' word, du'a. And we mm -hmm. think du'a always means to supplicate. When in fact, uh, one of the other things that we can do is talk to God through du'a. Now, Ibn Atal Askandiri, he used to write his own du'as. Now there's a barakah of using prophetic du'as, but there's a personal touch when you write the du'as. You're you're walking down the beach and you you say, Subhanallah, like glory be to the Allah who knows every grain of sand. Like okay. that's from you. It's like it's like personalizing your supplication and, and how you call upon Allah. And, and so the way I look at it is like, you can go to the store and buy a Hallmark card on your anniversary and give it to your wife, mm -hmm. right? Or you could write some lines of poetry. But for Kamal, that wouldn't be a big deal. So, I mean, yeah. for me, that would be <laughs> a big deal. If you need <laughs> some lines, uh, we can trade. She's so. like, she's like, yo, bro, you do this for a profession. Yeah, it's not yeah. as easy. Yeah. So the point is you could, per you could personalize. And so one thing I would say is, People, we should all learn how to personalize our dua and, and, and talk to Allah. You're not filling out a job application, Habibi. You're talking to the one who knows you closely. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that's the first thing. The last thing I'll say is this. When we read Quran, learn to interact with it, not just read it. And I'll say this very briefly. I talk about this in the book extensively at the end. When the Prophet read the Quran والسلام, he would not just read but respond while reading. Mm -hmm. He would read a verse of Jannah and say, Oh Allah, stop reading and say, Oh Allah, give me that. Mm -hmm. He would read a verse of Hellfire, stop and say, Oh Allah, protect me. Mm -hmm. He would read a sajda ayah, stop, fall down in sajda. Mm -hmm. Right? He would, now here's where it gets really deep. When Allah asks you a question in the Quran, do you actually stop and respond? 
Cognitive behavioral therapy is about asking someone the right questions and asking them to respond to the right questions. When you read the Quran and regularly, example, alayhi bi ahkamil hakimin. Yes, yes, he is. Yes. Here's another one. Is Allah not enough for you? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Like you hear that? Yes. You may be reading that, needing to be reminded about Allah, but you didn't respond. And the response, I have a friend I'll talk to. And sometimes I remember I was going through a tough moment. And and and, and there would be days where I would fall backward, like, you know, emotionally. And I would call him and he would say the same thing is Allah could destroy you with less than that, Mikayo. So right. And I would say, Yeah, you're right. Didn't didn't the Prophet some say if the whole world is gathered against you and Allah doesn't want harm, then nothing can harm you? He would say that to me, and I would go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that process of answering the questions that God asks us in the Quran is therapeutic. But our problem is that we don't read to respond. I know what everyone's thinking. I don't understand Arabic. If you're over the age of 18 and you haven't read the Quran in your mother tongue and you don't read it regularly in your mother tongue, what are you waiting for? Not to patronize you, not to make you feel bad, but what are you waiting for? Read it in your tongue so that you can respond to the call of God and you can think the way he wants you to think. So that's my advice when it comes to listening and responding to God. Read the Quran, read it, read it, read it, but then respond. And when you read a question, respond, stop and say, yes, no, uh, there must be a reason. Uh, uh, did he create this in vain? You're like, no, he didn't. Mm -hmm. You respond to it. So this is my advice, inshallah ta'ala. Um, um, you know, start with silence. Start, find your cave. Find a quiet place. Um, find a quiet place. It will be a superpower. The, the introverted, quiet thinkers will be the strongest people in the time when everyone's speaking. So uh, connect to your inner strength. You know, change the cacophony to a mm. symphony. <laughs> right and then begin to listen to other people according to those who need you and all the time realizing that uh our goal is to connect to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sheikh it's been an absolute pleasure uh inshallah we don't want to give too much away but we know that there may be a third installment in the pipeline and inshallah if god permits we would love to have you on and see you again once more and uh, the words definitely been felt with, with ourselves to come out Inshallah. the benefit thoughts? we've received a lot of benefit from your yeah, first book moral intelligence emotional intelligence Allah. prophetic Allah. listening mm. alhamdulillah we found much benefit we hope our viewers feel the same mm. i mean i mean jimmy and thank you for your time and thank you for giving me the feeling of your presence listening to me um it's the most sacred gift and special gift you have and you've shared this last hour with me. And so I'm, I'm grateful. Worlds apart. But this is how the religion was done. This is how it was dealt with through the transmission yeah. of hearts. So distance yeah. is not a problem for us, Sheikh. Alhamdulillah. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's so deep. SubhanAllah. <laughs> 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 Jazakum Allah khair, guys. I'll see you inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakat